0: and literally not knowing what I'm doing. I have no clue. Somebody would be like, hey, can you build 20 tables for my restaurant? And I'm like, heck yeah, man. For one second, I'd be like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? And then I would just shake that off and
1: figure it out. Do you ever feel like you're lost on social media? Like you're just another face in the crowd? Well, what if I told you that there was a platform just for the woodworking industry? It's called WoodNexus. Think of it as the LinkedIn for furniture company owners or the Facebook for lumber suppliers or the Instagram for woodworking tools. You get the idea. I'm actually on WoodNexus right now with this show, sharing episode information and answering questions about the topics I discuss with each guest. So if you're looking to connect with more people in the industry or looking for new suppliers or just interested in seeing what's out there, check out WoodNexus.org. And while you're there, stop by the Building a Furniture Brand page and say, Hey, I'll see you there. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with TJ Turner, owner of the furniture company, Carl Jackson Designs. TJ clearly got into this industry because of his love for the artistic side of furniture making. And his company took off quickly because of the passion he puts in to every piece. But along the way, by leaning into the community of furniture makers around him, he also learned the business side of the industry as well. And putting both of those pieces together has turned his once dream of having a furniture company into a full-fledged reality, going strong for six years, And counting. So, follow along as we talk about fighting burnout, the value of community, finding your confidence, and much more. So, let's start the episode and hear about TJ's story in his own words.
0: Basically, like almost everybody else that's been on your podcast, I bought a house, I did some renovations on the house, and then I just fell in love with woodworking. When I started woodworking, I owned one saw that my mother-in-law had given me and I didn't even know how to use it. So, I mean, I didn't do any woodworking my whole life. I went from 2016 building a mudroom to like a year later building tables and doing build outs in restaurants. And so people were like, your trajectory from like never doing this to doing high end stuff was pretty fast, which like made me like have to step back and think about how I got there. I've been an artist my whole life but never shared my art with people like my wife or like maybe close friends knew that I painted and I was into art like really early on seeing furniture, seeing people's builds. I could see the artistic side of it. Like I could see quality craftsmanship. And I could see the things that were just kind of DIY'd. I started off like everybody else, like with the Anna White plans on the internet, building like an art desk for my daughter and building a simple table here and there. But I knew that at some point I was going to get out of the Home Depot lumber and I was going to get into hardwoods and like real joinery and and woodworking. So I started with a house that needed some work and, and just started watching YouTube videos and doing it. But I think really the way that I got to where I was is that I've always been an artist and I finally found a medium of like being able to sell my art and being able to actually call myself an artist. You know, abstract art is subjective. Like people either like it or they don't, but everybody needs a table. So they'll either like the style of the table or not. And the cool thing is they can come to me with the style of table they want, you know.
1: Talking about fast growth, because... That's definitely something that is gonna perk everybody's ears up. They're gonna say, How did you go from zero to a hundred in a year building tables for clients and having a business in a very short amount of time? So what do you attribute that fast growth to?
0: Passion. I couldn't stop woodworking. I couldn't stop looking at woodworking videos. I couldn't stop thinking about it, tools like how things are built. Different types of woods, like I fought, like somebody introduced me to hickory, and I was like, "Man, that's amazing!" So I mean, I'm like every single day, all I can think about is woodworking. Every moment I got, I was in the garage, trying new things, looking at different, like get asking friends if they wanted something built. Sometimes I'd buy the materials, sometimes I'd have them buy the materials, and just building everything and anything. I'd see a, a picture of something, I'm like, "I got to build that." I had a business, so I had a gym that I owned. And I just got like pretty burnt out from running the business and we bought this house. And so I was spending more time working in the garage, like woodworking than I was spending like in the gym. So I shut that gym down, but I had a good kind of networks of folks and uh, state college where my wife and I were living at the time Um and just like building things for friends and just, and literally not knowing what I'm doing. I have no clue. Somebody would be like, hey, can you build 20 tables for my restaurant? And I'm like, heck yeah, man. For one second, I'll be like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? And then I'd just shake that off and figure it out.
1: It's a dangerous road to walk there where you're taking people's money and you don't know if you're going to be able to make it happen. But I guess with enough confidence and enough luck, but also skill that you're learning on the job, you made it happen. Do you remember the first project that you did that was for an actual client that you thought, now I'm actually a furniture company? Because you were doing projects for friends, for family, stuff that wasn't technically outside of your inner circle. But what was that first project that somebody you didn't know that wasn't connected to you said, I love your work. I'd like to work with you as a furniture business.
0: Oh man, I would say, so I'd only been doing the woodworking for two years, but that 2016 to 18, I did a ton of stuff. Like I did a restaurant, I did one gentleman, three restaurants, but I would get paid like a thousand dollars and I would like maybe get a tool thrown in there. You know, I didn't know what I was doing and I was okay with that. And he was okay with me learning on the job. So I would say in 2018, when I moved to Maryland, my cousin had introduced me to a friend of his, who had a restaurant that had been in business for I don't know ten or twenty years, and they hired me to make all of their booths and their tables. That's when I was like, "Wow! Like they've seen my stuff. This isn't going to be, hey, I'm going to charge a thousand dollars for this. Like I'm going to get paid. And I'm going to be a serious business. I don't know them. They don't know me, and I'm going to approach this as a serious business. And and it was awesome. But that was it. it was two years later. And there was a lot of tables, man. There was probably 150 tables that I had made before that point. But I started feeling more confident in myself.
1: That story kind of defines your fast growth because 9 times out of 10 if I ask somebody what the first client project they did, they're going to say it was a one-off table, it was a one-off chair or something like that. It's a big it's a big order for your first actual client. But I want to step back a little bit because over those two years, you were working nonstop to get your skills up. You were working nonstop to build your tool catalog, to get the knowledge that you need to build furniture. But what were you doing on the business side to make sure that once you did flip that switch and you were doing it, quote unquote, for real, for clients, you weren't still charging $1,000 for 10 tables. You weren't just doing it for cost of materials. What were you putting in place to make sure that you could actually make money from this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you that I had a plan and that plan was awesome. But as soon as I like, got into woodworking, I started, I, like anybody I knew who knew somebody. So I had a client at my gym who was an interior designer. And she's like a high end designer. I mean, her stuff is amazing. So she straight away put me in touch with her cabinet maker. I went to, I brought him lunch. I was like, I called him up. I was like, hey, man, Scott, can I come out to your shop? Like, Jen gave me an introduction and I brought him like Subway and we had Subway and he just showed me everything in the shop. It was amazing. And then this guy, Scott and Dan had a metalworking company. So all the railings, table bases, things in State College, these guys did that, did the same thing. I went out there and they were just awesome. And I would ask them, like, hey, like, I don't really know how to charge. People don't want to really want to pay much. I would, would build some shelves or a table and I would have Jen come over. So I wanted her to see, like, she was an artist as well, right? So she'd look at the table. And if I could impress, Jen, in my mind, she doesn't know I'm doing this, but I'm asking her, like, what do you think about this? And I really wanted real feedback from her. So, like, she's like, man, this is awesome. And it's much better than your last one. I'm Like, well, what would you charge for this? I think every woodworker will probably feel the same way that, That people are telling them, their peers or their family members, like, man, you should charge more for that. You should charge more for that. But you have to feel confident to charge more. So the more that I did it, the more I would just charge a little bit more and I would get a yes. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's kind of a tangent to say that I I can't stress enough how many people I've met that were already in like a woodworking or metalworking business. And I would ask them what they're charging and what they think I should be charging for my work. And if it was a thousand dollars for something, I didn't feel comfortable with that, but I would say, 700. Until I got to the point where now I have a a group of peers that are better than me and I asked them
1: what they charge. Leaning on your community and figuring out what other people are charging works well because not only are you figuring out what people are making off of their projects, but you're also figuring out your market and seeing that the people who are local to you are charging x amount and To be relevant in your market you have to be in that same ballpark and i want to talk more about pricing but i don't want to forget because you did hit on something that i really love talking about on this show and that is confidence and you said you have to have confidence in your pricing and when you talk about it it might seem confusing somebody looking at from the outside like you said family and friends are saying charge more charge more and you're looking at it and you see the numbers and you know exactly what goes into it and you know you have to charge more but there is that that wall of confidence that you might know all the answers and you might know what to charge but if you don't have the confidence to charge that then you're just not going to do it but you have to break through that wall to be able to actually make a living at this so what do you think gave you that confidence to be able to say I'm worth it.
0: There was a point where I'm making a piece of furniture and I realized how much time I had into it and nothing helps you better than like quoting a a piece of furniture that you think is going to take a week and it takes two and a half weeks and the client it like goes back and forth and changes things and you don't price properly for that. And so you make a thousand dollars for three weeks of work, you know, so nothing will help you charge more and not do that next time than like making a thousand dollars for three weeks of work. Um, and one thing I would say to piggyback on that is also like and, and it's taken me like six years to feel this way, but not feeling bad if somebody's like, you know, that's too much money for that. Can you come down on that price? And thinking that like, would you take one thousand dollars for three weeks of your time, like at your job? You absolutely wouldn't. I would never say that to them, but I have to say that to myself. So that I'm like, I can't pay my bills on a thousand dollars for three weeks.
1: You had such a fast rise and you were building a lot and you were You are making tons of pieces and getting great feedback, but it took you six years to get the confidence to feel it inside yourself. And I think that that is a, a great takeaway from this for anybody listening, that it really matters what you think about it internally, because you can be doing well and you were doing well for a long time, but you just didn't feel like you were. And once you felt like you were, I'm sure it felt like a brand new business, like you were starting over. And before, it probably felt like you were working for other people, you were working for the clients. But once you decided, I can put prices on that I know are what I need to charge. And I can also say, if you can't afford this, then maybe I'm not for you. And it it must have felt like you were working for yourself for the very first time, even after six years of being in business.
0: Yeah. I mean, totally. In the beginning I was busy, right. I wasn't making a ton of money. And, and, you know, there was the times where like somebody would ask me like my best client for me personally, um, to get paid what I should get paid is somebody that I don't know. Like it's really hard for me to charge like a full price to somebody I know. So it got mentally to have somebody approach me that I don't know and say, it's going to be, $1,500 for this table. And then like, Oh my God, that's so expensive. And then me feeling like, Oh, am I taking advantage of them? So like building table after table and understanding the work that goes into it. My buddies that were woodworkers too, would say, listen, man, you've got to pay for your time driving to the lumber yard, getting the lumber coming back your supplies. Like I'm just thinking about what the materials are going to cost and then getting like an hourly rate or like 500 bucks on top of that. But then I thought about it and I'm like, my sawmill or lumber yard is 50 minutes from my house. So I drive 50 minutes to the house. I'm there for like solid hour and I drive 50 minutes back. Like That's three hours of time and that's gas. So, um, you know, adding all that stuff up, it was just really like being able to get to the point where I have built all the things I want to build. My skill set has gotten to a level where I'm going to build one thing for X amount of dollars as opposed to just build everything that everybody wants. And at the end of the day, I'm a much happier person. You know, like I'm not happy spending hours building something for like a hundred bucks. Like you're just, you're not happy and and you beat yourself up over it. But it it doesn't happen overnight. It it really just comes with like the confidence and your skill level increasing.
1: Another great thing that I want to pull out of that answer was that you got to make yourself happy. And It's not always the case because this is a business and sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to be doing, but you always have to take a step back as hard as it is and say, this is your business. If you're working for yourself, this is something that you're doing to yourself. Nobody's telling you to do this. This is all on your own and you could stop at any time and go work for somebody else and have... A less stressful time and leave your troubles at the door when you leave at five. But if you're not happy, then try and make yourself happy. And again, I'm saying that not in an imaginary world that, oh, you can do whatever you want because it's your business, because money is still a factor and making a living is still a factor. But if you push yourself in the direction of your own happiness, then you're going to be a lot closer to getting there than if you just accept everything that comes your way and you don't proactively do anything about it. So that is, is definitely something that that I agree with. I want to actually talk about your pricing because you have danced around it a little bit. You've talked about how you've heard other people do it and trying to figure out their story and, and how they go about their pricing. And you talk with designers about it and you listen to podcasts about it and you figure out your own numbers. So do you have a formula or do you have when you start a project of exactly how you're going to be pricing that project out?
0: I've gotten to the point now where I, I know if I'm building a cabinet or a table, like how much those materials are going to cost. So I had I, whatever materials are, and then I add 15% to that. So that will be like maybe overage or my time going to pick up the materials and then $50 an hour. And I try to think about how many hours it's going to take me. Now, do I log every single hour that it takes me to build the table? Absolutely not. But I'm like, this table should take me three days, you know, so that's like $250 or $300 a day times three. And that's how I used to do things. But there's a guy and you had interviewed him, his name's Dennis from um, Austin Morris. And I don't think he really, he definitely doesn't know what an influence he has been on me, but I followed his career, like as long as I've been back in Maryland and I reach out to him lots of time, like we interact on Instagram and I ask him questions. He's always super helpful, but I've watched him. Like I'm always one step behind him in our creative process, like his skill level. And actually, I mean, now I'm like three steps because he's just gone in the last like six months, just skyrocketed. And he's gotten some really cool tools to help him get to that next level. You know, but I felt like I was always like right behind him. And I think you guys had talked about this. There was a bunch of like photographs and, and different styles, but then he'd cleaned up that page and it became like very specific branding. And then his prices got very specific of what his minimum was and how much each table was going to be. And I was like, man, that minimum sounds like super cool. Like, why am I building an entryway table for 250 bucks? Like, there's I shouldn't be doing that. Like there's a minimum of a thousand dollars for me to build a piece of furniture. You you can't buy a good piece of furniture or or a mediocre piece of furniture at a box store for less than like five or seven hundred dollars. So why is it custom made for less than that? So then that's why I was like, I'm going to have my minimum table starting at twenty eight hundred. My coffee table starting minimum at a thousand and if there's anything outside of the the dimensions that I do for my basic things, then I'm going to add $50 an hour to what I think and adding those material costs. And I have another buddy, James Machad, like that guy's the same thing, man. And that guy's like my mentor. And. I don't know if he i think he kind of knows what an impact he's had on me but i mean when when i had a restaurant job down here i'm like on the phone with him like hey man like how did you price out your restaurants i'm looking at what people are in my like peer group i'm watching them i'm seeing their level of skill so not only am i trying to keep up like i'm always trying to push it to the next level like they are but i'm also like seeing what they're charging and 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 realizing that if I don't keep pushing my my pricing a little bit higher and my skill set higher, I'm going to quit. I have to. Like, I can't keep up. You know, if these guys can make it, then I can make it too. And I'm totally willing to ask them what they're doing and how they're doing it, whether it's building something or how do they get paid. And nine times out of ten, like, everybody's super open and, and, and helpful. The only thing that we can bring the price down on is our labor when somebody asks. There's an enormous fixed cost from the lumber and the supplies that we use. And the only thing that we can fix is labor. And that's been a huge issue in American history of like labor unions and strike breaking and not paying people enough money or a living wage. The only thing that we can do because the lumber yard's not taking less for the wood is like reduce our labor price. And we shouldn't do that. It would be better to just not take that job, move on to the next one. Yeah, nobody working for like Salesforce is gonna go into the office for less money next week. You know, that's why like labor union strikes would happen because they would get their wages cut by ten percent. I'm doing the same job, if not more, and now you cut my wages by ten percent like ah.
1: I wanna go all the way back to the beginning of this conversation and how before you had a furniture company, you owned a gym and you were working there and you said that you were really burnt out doing that job and and working that job but listening to your story and listening to how you've worked your way up in the furniture business i hear the potential for burnout in this industry too it seems like you've embraced it and there's nothing wrong with that and it's gotten you to where you are but you've also really embraced it and with all the work you're doing and all the projects you're doing i can't help but think that you need to be figuring out how to not burn out in this job as well. Have you been putting anything in place as you've been going, having done this for six plus years to be able to have this as a long term career that you don't have to wake up one day and say, I don't want to do this anymore?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is like a five part so if it gets a tangent, let me know. Um, so f- about the gym, here's what I would say. I had a buddy um, from the gym that I work out at now ask, he wanted to, he's like, oh, your furniture business. I saw your website. I was thinking about going out on my own. Like, how did you start and what are your suggestions? So the first thing I would say about that, anybody who's thinking about going on their own, whether it's woodworking business, doing it as a side hustle or starting any business should get the book e and read that book straight away before you start a business. I wish I had read that book before I opened the gym. And the e-myth like, made me realize that I was a good trainer, but I wasn't a good gym owner. And they're two different things. So as furniture owners, when we're owning our business, we could have like a way where we scale to having employees and them doing the work for us, and we become a business owner. Or we're making one or two pieces of furniture at a high price point so that it's a business as well, right? Like the the amount of income and the amount of least amount of time that we have to spend in that is what's going to make it a business or like my first, like five years of this, trying to learn how to become a good woodworker is a, like a full-time job, which is more than like you said, if we had a job where we just walked in and, and, whatever's laid out for us. So it becomes a job, right? It's not a business, it's a job, but it's an 18 hour a day job. Like, so the gym burnt me out because I was teaching all the classes, I was writing all the programming, I was doing all the marketing, all the accountant, and then I had to deal with all the clients. So from this business perspective, same thing, right? I have to deal with the clients, I have to find the clients, and then I have to get all the materials, blah, 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 blah. But I'm also like, the only thing that I care about is the furniture that I'm making. I'm not a business person. Like I realize that I can't work for somebody else. So I have to run my own business, but um, like I run my business by like treating everybody like a thousand times better than I'd want to be treated and like over communicating with people because I feel like there's a lack of communication. But other than that, like I'm not chasing money. I can't, I like repel money, but I love art and I'm finding a way to like make a living in the art field. Like I'm creating art and I love it. And I'm only doing things that I want to do and I'm not doing anything else. My wife in the beginning was like, you should do built-in cabinets. Like they make, people make so much money. Everybody wants built-ins. People are like, I get a message once a week about built-in cabinets and I have two cabinet maker friends that I send them off to cause I hate painting. I hate installing the things. So I'm not building cabinets. I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do. And This is the first year that um, my wife and I both. So like we're going to go on vacation at the end of this month that I'm not doing anything next week for a client like whatsoever, because if I was, I'd be rushing all the way till Friday, like last minute until I'm about to go out of town. That build is going to rent space in my brain the whole time I'm there. And like, I just want to get back and finish this job for this client. So that's very important. Like if you're going to have a vacation, you need to like clear some space or like finish a project a few days before you go on vacation, so that you can get that out of your head and just relax, and not want to rush back from that vacation to get back to it. And when I, I've done it twice this year, and when I've gotten back, like I'm excited. I want to get back in the shop and and rock and roll, you know. And I'm doing art for the art's sake. I'm not building a piece of furniture for the money's sake. And I'm in a position in my life where I can do that. And not everybody can be in that space, but like. If you're not, and you feel like you want to be like, figure out how you can get yourself there.
1: This is usually the point in the show where I ask you for advice for people who might want to be starting a business or or already run a business. And if anyone's listened to the show, you know that that's the question that I usually like to end on. But I feel like you might have just answered that in your last one. So, So is there anything else that you would like to add on to that for for people who are out there listening or do you feel like it was already summed up in that last answer
0: no i think those are the things that you come about with experience like i learned that the hard way um if i was starting today the things i would do like first of all like do what i did in the beginning like find other woodworkers and ask them if you can come to their shop and meet them like i do it now there was a guy who was building a table for some reason he had to add credit he's not even a furniture maker he just made a table in my town and sponsored it on Instagram. I saw it and he did like legit breadboard ends, you know, like mortises and like pinned it the proper way. I'm like, this guy's amazing. I reached out to him. He was like right at the street. I was like, can I come to your shop? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And we talked for like two hours, right? Just a random guy i never met before. So anyway, find people like that are doing what you want to do and you ask them questions, ask, 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 and just like create a network of people that's going to help you grow like in your skill set but also you can like lean on them for business advice if you need to second like get professional tools as fast as you can like i built the first restaurant 16 tables i made it out of rustic hickory they were 9 foot tables by like 2 foot wide with a rigid sander hooked up to a shop vac like I needed a Festool sand. Actually, you know, what? like now if I have a job that's like 20 tables, I put them in my truck and I take them back to the lumber yard and run them through the drum sander. So, But just upgrading your tools as fast as you can, like that's – I can't stress that enough. Like I bought three rigid sanders when I could have just spent the money on one Festool sander. And I'm not trying to be a, like a sponsor or a billboard for those tools, but like just a rigid sander can't take sanding nine hours a day. And you're going to save money in the long run. And then the last thing I would say is out of all of this networking or finding people, it's a network and there's going to be a center of influence that will help you. Like most of the people, when I listen to your podcast, like, you know, they were, they, they had um, just some jobs that were going on and then they found a designer and that designer led to a job, which led to more jobs. So there's some sort of center of influence that you'll be able to find, whether it's realtors or designers or your, your neighbor that owns a business, like just look for that center of
1: influence. Find your community, find your people, find the people who are going to be able to help you along, but also help them along. It's not a a one-way street when it comes to community. It has to be a give and take. So go to the table looking for information, but also bring your own information as well. And you sharing all that just shows everybody that even if you're working in a shop by yourself, you still have a whole world out there that's willing and wanting to help. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you being a part of that community and being somebody that people can look to. And I want to thank you. And I know everybody listening would thank you as well. So wishing you nothing but success moving forward in your business.
0: Thanks, Ethan. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at TheBuildWithEthan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.